Good morning, Lincoln Avenue. I am so glad that you could uh, join us on this uh, Lord's Day, this Sunday. Um, welcome to our live stream again. Uh, we so wish that we could be with you. Uh, each one of you gathered together. Man, what a, what a precious thing that has become to us uh, to be able to gather with the saints and to be able to see each other and uh, be a blessing to one another in person. Uh, but we are, we are following the Lord and, and doing the best we can to uh, continue to speak the Word of God, continue to encourage each other in faith, to continue to gather, even if it's in spirit and not in presence, as we talked about last week. I want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. And uh, we're going to look at verses 4 through 7 today. So Luke chapter 12, uh, 4 through 7. While you're turning there in your Bibles, um, if, you, if you're on Facebook or social media, if you're not, just text me and I'll send this to you or uh, text your small group leader. They'll send it to you. But uh, this is our, our memory verses for the final week of March. So March is our, our March memory month. Uh, it's a month that we dedicate every year uh, to memorizing scripture together. Man, it's been a mixed up March uh, this March, and so I feel like we're, we haven't been able to connect over the verses like I would, I would like uh, to have done, uh, but these are the last two, and so hopefully you've been memorizing those. I'm actually going to put out a summary, like uh, all of them together. I'm going to put a picture out of that uh, later on this week. Um, we can mail one of those to you. We can get one to you. We'll, we'll drop it by your house. Uh, if, if, if we need to do that, you let us know, but we want you to be in the word. We, we want you to, we, we want you to be constantly thinking of the good news. Um, I got a challenge for you. All right. So here, here's my challenge for you. So, uh, I would say this, um, discipline yourself to do this. So it, it doesn't have to be the verses for this week. Maybe you're behind. You want to pick some from last week. I, I was super blessed by Psalm 73, uh, this last week about the righteous being glad, uh, them exulting before God, being jubilant with joy. Uh, pick, pick a verse, several verses from this last month. And here's my challenge, all right? Are you ready? So every time you're tempted to go online, uh, to get on your phone, and look at COVID-19 statistics, okay? Uh, I know that we're trying to keep up with what's happening in the world, trying to keep up with that, what's happening in, in Oklahoma. There's nothing wrong with that. But my challenge is this. Before you go to look, so every time you have this impulse to look, I, I want you to pick a verse from this month, and I want you to go back and, 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 and read it, memorize it, soak it up, meditate on it, think through it, practice it. Uh, I, I want you to live the discipline that we talked about last week. Last week was Isaiah 26.3, and we talked about that, that God keeps in perfect peace those whose mind is stayed on you, okay? So that, that needs to have some kind of practical application. So, so that's my challenge, all right? Every time you're tempted to get out your phone, uh, okay, what's the numbers in Oklahoma? What's the numbers around the world? What's the latest news feed? I want you first, I'm not telling you not to do that, but I want you first to get in the scriptures, to look, okay, I'm, these are the verses I'm trying to memorize. These are the verses that I'm going over. And, and I want you to discipline yourself to saturate your mind with good news, okay, before you, before you turn to the bad news, all right? So that's my challenge for you this week, church. And let me know how that goes. Uh, let's keep up with each other through text and Facebook and uh, phone. Luke 12, ready? Luke 12, verses 4 through 7 is our text for this morning. So I'm going to read that, and we're going to pray, and then we'll get started. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five 
sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. Father in heaven, we celebrate your sovereignty this morning. Father, we celebrate uh, your resurrection life in Jesus Christ. Father, we celebrate the gospel. We celebrate the forgiveness of sins. We celebrate the redemption of our our souls and our bodies in Christ. Father, we, we celebrate the indwelling Holy Spirit. We celebrate the promises of the scriptures. We celebrate the hope of our future resurrection, of our future glory with you in the new heavens and the new earth. Father, we celebrate all that you have given us. We are, we are thankful for you today, Father. We thank you that you are in control of our world. We thank you that you are moving your church to a victorious end. We are thankful that you're going to save from every tongue, tribe, and nation men and women and students and children to be your own. And Father, we thank, we thank you for being about that work today. Father, we ask for the power of your Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see truth, God, to move our hearts to obedience. Father, we ask for your grace and help this morning. In Christ's name, amen. All right, now you might think that uh, when we're talking about fear in the Bible, you might think that the equation that the Bible gives is that, is that, that faith equals no fear. Okay, that, that, that might be a common assumption that what the Bible would say is, okay, the more faith that you have, uh, the less fear that you have, okay? I actually think that's not quite the accurate equation the Bible gives. I actually think the Bible gives this equation. It, it, it gives the equation that faith equals the right kind of fear, okay? So instead of faith equals no fear, I think faith equals the right kind of fear, all right? So in the Bible, here's what you often find. You often find people fearing the wrong things, okay? And then in enters the Word of God, either the prophet or either Isaiah or Jesus or one of the, the writers of the epistles. So people are fearing the wrong thing. And so enter in the, the Word of God, and, and there's a rebuking of, of, of fearing the wrong thing. And then there's an encouraging encouragement to believe God. And then immediately follows is, is this fearing the right thing. All right? So that, that's kind of the way that the Bible, Bible lays out the equation of fear. Now, in our text today, uh, you, have, you have something that legitimately is frightening, okay? So J- Jesus says in that first verse, verse 4, he says, I tell you, friends, do not fear those who kill the body. Hey, th- hey that, that's a scary thing. I mean, someone wanting to kill you. Uh, in this context, it's persecution. Uh, we've experienced that through our brothers around the world, our brothers and sisters. And Man, that, that's a frightening thing. To have someone try to take your life, to have a murderous persecutor hunting you down, seeking to destroy you. Man, that's a scary thing. That's frightening. You can see why that would make someone apprehensive. All right, but Jesus says, don't fear that. All right, now, immediately we might be like, oh, good, good. You know, Jesus is taking away my fears. Well, yes, he is, but actually, he, he's actually moving you to trust him that you might fear something that you really need to fear. Okay, so it's not just don't fear anything. It's, hey, don't fear that, but, but rather shift your fear to this, okay? And then in verses 6 and 7, he, he, he bolsters, he strengthens, he builds up your, your, your confidence that God is indeed able to care for you. He's able to care for you in spectacular ways, all right? Now, that equation, again, is played out 
uh, all, all through the scriptures. Let me give you an example. In, in Mark chapter 4, we've got the disciples out on the Sea of Galilee, and they're in this tremendous storm, okay? So picture a hurricane, picture George Clooney, perfect storm, you know, waves, towering boats, tipping over, disciples are crying out in fear. These are seasoned fishermen. They, they've spent their life on the Sea of Galilee, and they are terrified. And Jesus is asleep in the boat, okay? They come and wake him up. Don't you care about us? We're perishing. We're all about to die. And Jesus rebukes the storm. So just hush, right? And then, wham, it's, it's gone. Like Jesus speaks into the storm. He, he cares for the disciples in this incredibly impactful way, okay, and rebukes their fear of the storm. But then notice what happens, okay? So in, in, in Mark, chapter, Mark chapter 4, in verse 40, it says, and he said to them, why are you so afraid? So there he's rebuking their, their fear of the wrong thing. He says, have you, have you still no faith? Okay, he's bolstering their faith by what he just did, how he cared for them. And then verse 41 says, and they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this? All right, so they were afraid of the storm. Jesus cares for them and rebukes their, their fear. And then, then they end up having this great fear of the right thing. And and I believe that is the equation that the Bible would have us to operate from, okay? Now, I know what a lot of you are going to say. I I think you're going to say what I would say and probably what I I have said, actually, many times. And you're going to say, well, hold on, Pastor. Isn't isn't fears of storms and fears of murderous persecutors and fears of COVID-19 and disease and dying, isn't that a different kind of fear than fearing God. Isn't, isn't that like really a, a different category? And, and, and you know what? Traditionally, uh, most pastors, most people studying this, most people talking about the fear of the Lord versus the fear of a disease, uh, most people will say, well, those are, those are different kinds of fears. And, and it's absolutely true that the fear of God is heavy on reverence. It's heavy on awe. It is heavy on this reverential respect that he is due, seeing his, his bigness, all right? I think the illustration I used for you about a year ago when we were talking about fear was uh, I used the illustration of my daughter and I. We, uh, we were kind of having a, a getaway, father-daughter getaway before she left for grad school uh, to go overseas. And so we went to Colorado and we, we picked a 14er to summon and we picked Humboldt. And Humboldt is a magnificent 14er in that it is surrounded by the Crestone Range. I don't know if you know anything about Colorado, but the Crestones, I think they're some of the prettiest mountains in, in Colorado. They're just these jagged Alp looking mountains. And so we're climbing Humboldt. We've got these incredible, spectacular views around us. And we come up to the summit. And right before the summit, there's kind of this lip that, that hangs over. And, and there's like a thousands, I don't know how, how big, thousands of foot drop straight down. And, and, and man, I, I, I've got to see it, you know? And, and so as I get closer, I, I, get, I find myself getting lower, you know? And, and as I get lower, I find myself coming near the edge and I get down on my knees. And, and, and as I get closer to where I can almost look over the edge, I find myself on my belly, you know? And I'm scooting on my belly to look over and gaze at this grandeur, okay? I, I think that's the fear of God. I, I think that's what we do when we fear God. The closer we get, the lower we get. The closer we get to his glory, the more we want to see it, but the more cautious, the more careful, the more reverent we are. So absolutely, I agree with you. I agree with you, church. I I agree that that the fear of God is is somewhat different than, than fearing a murderous persecutor, but I would also say there are things that are the same, okay? I would say that the fear of a persecutor or the fear of a virus is the fear of loss. 
You know what? We're, we're afraid of losing something. We're afraid of when, when we hear about the spread of a virus or, or the violence of persecutors or a plunging stock market. Basically, it's apprehension at the thought of losing something valuable. Many people are filled with fear right now because it, it's this thought that I may lose something. I may lose someone. I, I may lose my health. I may lose, I, I, I may lose my money. I may lose my, my economic security. We feel this trepidation over the possibility of loss. We feel this apprehension over losing something. Well, shouldn't we feel the same trepidation over spiritual loss? So when we think about fearing God, when we, really, when we think about what, what we might lose eternally, should we not tremble at the reality that some will spend an eternity under the judgment of God? Should we not tremble at the reality that some will be immersed in an eternal darkness with no hope that their condition will ever change? Should not we feel trepidation over the reality that some will enter into hell with no possible hope of their situation ever changing? My friends, that makes me tremble. Like, like honestly, like when, when I begin to think about that, my, my, my mind begins to, to close in on me. When, when I begin to think about people entering into hell and, and, and regretting their decision to reject Jesus Christ and having no way to ever repair that, no way to ever reverse that, no way that anything will ever be different or better again, friends, that, that makes me tremble. That's real loss. That makes me tremble more than the thought of dying at the hands of a murderer or, or a sea in a storm or a deadly virus. Now, the motive, the motive of why we'd fear, that's, that's obviously different, isn't it? That, that's obviously different. We fear evil men because they're evil. We, we, fear, we fear them because they're malicious. We fear them because they're unpredictable. We fear them because they're bent on harm. We, we fear God not because of those reasons. Actually, it's, it's the other way. We fear him because he's sovereign, because he's our, our maker, because he's righteous, he's holy, he's just. He will punish sin accordingly. We fear him because he's our heavenly father. I was thinking about the way that we would fear a father, an earthly father. And if you're like me, you had a good father. I had a good dad. I know not everybody had that. I'm sorry if you didn't have a good dad, but I had a good dad. And, and, and I, I remember... I feared my dad, not, not because of the authority aspect, but really because of, of my love for him. Um, my dad actually uh, texted me this week, and it's the weirdest thing, because my dad never reminds me of my past. I mean, he just doesn't. My mom and dad have never been that way, but we, there was something on the news or something. I can't even remember what happened, but he, he, he reminded me of this really dumb thing I did in high school that got me in a bunch of trouble, and uh, you know, I had to meet my folks at the principal's office, and it was a community, it was, it was just a terrible deal, you know, and, and my dad, you know, remind, he, he wasn't like, like shaming me or anything, he just, hey, remember that, hey, don't, you know, and, and you know, I, thinking about that, I had the kind of this wave of, of, of shame and disappointment, and not just the reality that I kind of let my dad down, I don't even remember the principal's name, I, I could not even tell you who he was. He was my authority. He was the one doling out the punishment, but I, I don't even remember who he was. But even to this day, it, it hurts me to have disappointed my dad. And, and so it, it would seem to me that, that the scripture is teaching us here that fearing God is the key to not being fearful 
of anything else. All right, now let's unpack that a little bit. What, what are the differences between fearing God and, and fearing others or, or fearing diseases or fearing um, anything else? What, what, what are the differences? Well, let me give you a couple of key ones, okay? So, so fearing God is different from fearing anything else in that fearing God is a certainty versus fearing a what if, okay? So most of the time, our fears in this world are almost always grounded in what ifs. They're, they're grounded in things that we don't know are going to happen, again, in general, most of the time. We don't know they're going to happen, but we're afraid that they might happen. They're, they're, they're what ifs. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, he says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I, I love that line. Sufficient, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Man, you, got, you don't need to worry about tomorrow. Man, you, you just do what you need to do today. Man, just, just think about what you got to think about today. Don't, don't, don't trouble yourself with tomorrow. We, we learned a verse early on in March in James about you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Your life is a vapor. You're here for a, a minute. You're, you're a mist. Just here for a moment. So, so don't live in tomorrow. Don't live in the what ifs. Much of our fears are, 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 are steeped in the anticipation, the dread of something that might happen. We might be rejected. We might lose our job. We might get sick. We might lose our life sooner than we expected. But God tells us to fear that which is a certainty. Fear being at odds with God. Because if you are, judgment is certain. It is not a what if. Some people treat spiritual things as if they're a what if. A lot of times people, people feel, feel that the things of this world are actually more concrete than spiritual things. It's the other way around. If, if you are apart from Christ, if you're separated from Jesus, if you are dead in your sins, if you've not repented of your, of your sin and put your faith in Christ, then hell is a fixed reality. It, it is a certainty. If you die without Christ, you will be set apart from him forever. If you're not joined to Jesus, hell is not a what if. It's not a maybe. You're a fool to think that maybe it won't happen. You're a fool to gamble your eternity on maybe a what if. What if it's not really going to happen? The God of the universe, your maker, who proclaimed all that all those without Christ would be eternally judged, he cannot lie. He cannot be wrong. Next. One of the ways that fearing God is different than any other fears is that you should fear God more than men because there's a limit to what you can lose at the hands of men or at the mercy of a disease. Look at again at chapter 12 of Luke, verse 4. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I warn you, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him whom after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. What Jesus says simply there is there's a limit at what man can do to you. There's a limit at what co the coronavirus can take from our world. There's, there's a limit to the loss. There's a limit to what financial collapse can do to your life. They can only hurt you so much. There is a limit to what they can take. However, there is no limit to the loss, to the pain, to the suffering of an eternity set apart from God. I, I, I think this is one of the reasons that our mind shuts down when we start thinking about eternity. I actually think that's, that's the reason where a lot of people don't want to believe in hell is because when they begin to think about loss that is eternal, when they begin to think about loss that is irreparable, when they begin to think about conscious tor torment and the judgment of God that, that, that lasts forever, I, be I believe our minds, we, we, just, we, don't want to, we don't want to think about that. We can't handle it. They begin to shut down. 
Jesus is not saying, please don't, don't hear this. He's not saying it's no big deal to lose your life. I, I, he's, I don't think he's saying that. Jesus was the one that wept at the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus was the one who, who healed the paralytics and the blind men. Jesus was the one who raised a little girl from the dead. Jesus buried life. His birth, his ministry, his words, his actions, his obedience, his humility, his willingness to go to the cross and to give his life a ransom for yours was done to take away your death. There is no one who's done more to take away death than Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, it says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. You see, Jesus' life, his ministry was to take the sting out of death. That's what 1 Corinthians 15, 54, and 55 says. Is that Christ has taken the sting out of death. Jesus is not making light of disease. He's not making light of suffering. He's not making light of persecutors. He's not making light of losing your life. There's no one on the planet who has taken human suffering more seriously than Jesus Christ. There's no one on the planet who's done a fraction of what Jesus has done to alleviate suffering and to take away death. But what Jesus is saying is, you should have an appropriate fear. He's saying your fears should be in order, okay? Maybe, maybe that's a way to say that. He's saying your fears should be in order. Disordered fears lead to a disordered life, all right? So whenever, whenever you fear something, something small at a large level and you fear something large at a small level, man, you've you got a disordered life. That, that, that's going to mess up your life. Let me, let me try to illustrate this with a really simple illustration, okay? Let, let's, say that, uh, let's say Mark and Sharon Clem, let's say they uh, invite my family out to uh, supper at their house. Now, I know a lot of you youngsters, you're saying, Mom, Dad, what is that? What, what is supper at somebody's house? Well, some of you are too, too young to remember the good old days. Back in the good old days, we could actually go to people's houses. This, this has been a while, but we, we could actually get, all get in our car as a family, and we could go to some, not your own house, again, some of the kids are not going to understand this. We could actually go to somebody else's house, you know? And, and we'd knock on their door, and we'd, we'd put our hand on their doorknob and open it up, and we'd come in. We, back in the old days, we'd give a hug even. You know, it's just, it was traditional. Everybody did it, yeah? You know, some of you are saying, what's a hug? Well, you'd actually come up from the side. It's the appropriate Christian way to do it. You'd come up from the side, and you'd put your arm around. How are you doing? Thanks for inviting us in. They'd bring you in, and you'd sit down at your table, and again, this is the good old days. You'd put your hands right on it. I mean, just right on. You put it all over your table all night. You might play cards. You pick up their their silverware, and and you, you'd have a great time. Anyway, that that's what it is to go to someone's house for supper. And so let's just say that Mark and Sharon. Let's say they invited my family out, and and so we're gonna go out, and they told us to be there at six, and. Let's just say I got held up at the shelter a little bit. I didn't get home till 5.40, and I burst in the door and say, all right, guys, let's go. Let's get in the car. It's 20 minutes to get out there. Let's go. And let's just say my family wasn't ready. There, there, there's this thing that happens in my family all the time, and it's all of them. There's like, there's, there's like seven voting against me, and they, they all say that, that, we don't, that I don't have, I don't communicate to them our plans, all right? 
Now, I, I think what must happen is I must speak it in my head or something. Uh, but anyway, we, we have this all the time. I remember not too long ago, uh, I left. I was getting ready to leave for uh, like three weeks in India, and I had all my stuff packed and everything, and I was, I was going and hugging the kids and praying for them and saying goodbye, and I remember Avery said, Dad, where are you going, you know? And, and, and I, I told you. So anyway, that happens. I don't know if that happens at your house, but that happens at our house. And so let's just say that happened. They didn't know we were going, and they're not ready. And, and so we try to bustle around and get ready. And, man, it's 10 to 6, and we jump in the car. And let's just say I have a fear of looking bad. Like a lot of you have that fear, right? I have a fear of looking bad. I have a fear of, of, of looking like I don't have it all together. I have a fear of looking like I'm, I'm, I'm flying by the seat of my pants, like I'm, I, I, I don't, our family doesn't have it together. And, and so because I have that fear, I'm driving 100 miles. I mean, I, I turn there at Merriman's and, and turn the corner towards, Shattuck, or towards Sharon, and I hit the gas, and I'm 100 miles an hour in our little Honda. I mean, the thing's shaking apart. And, you know, my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, we can't be late. Now, see, that's a disordered fear. You see, you see how that, that's a disordered fear. I, I've taken fear of looking bad and elevated it to such a level that I no longer fear killing my family in a head-on crash driving 100 miles an hour. That, that's a disordered fear. I, I, I'm fearing a small thing at such a level that, that, that I'm fearing big things at, at a level that, that is too low. And the thing about that is, the order in which you fear things matters because it reveals the order in which you love things. Isn't that true? I'd be saying a devastating thing to my family if that were to happen. I'd be saying, I love my reputation more than I love you guys. Well, see, I think, I think that's the case in the scriptures many times. I think when we're falling apart because of loss of our finances or loss of our health and but we've got no fear of God. We're saying something really clearly to God. And so it's important that we get our fears in the appropriate order. So first, it should cause me to love and value the best things first. To give them my care and attention. To do the things I can do to love and fear the right thing. You know, think about this. For most of us, in this COVID-19 crisis, we're, we're just waiting, aren't we? I mean, I, mean I, I know there's things we can do. We can wash our hands. We can disinfect everything, right? Everything we touch, we can disinfect it. We, we can stay six feet away. I've, I've gone ahead and added a couple feet to that, you know? I've, I measured out of my office eight feet the other day uh, just to know exactly where eight feet. I figured give a couple feet of grace, right? Like, like we, we, we can do everything we can, but, but after that, we're just waiting. It's almost like knowing there's going to be a car crash and we're just waiting for it to happen, but there really isn't a lot more that we can do. My friends, how much can you do right now in your fear of God? How much can you do right now in your spiritual life? Man, isn't this going to be a test for us right now? When, when really we, we've got this huge fear in this world and we can't really do anything about it other than stay home and wash our hands and pray. But how much can you do in your spiritual life? What's hindering you today from getting that right? What's hindering you today from trusting Christ, from believing his promises, from embracing the gospel, from, from repenting of your sin and loving him and knowing him and seeking him? What, what, what hinders you? Nothing hinders you today from doing just that, from memorizing his truth, from speaking gospel to your family 
through text, FaceTime, Zoom, phone calls, taking care of your church. If there was ever a time when it meant something to seek first the kingdom of God, it ought to be now. It ought to be now. This, this is going to show, the, the week's going to show what you fear. If you spend your week on the news, you know, looking at your phone, looking at updates, when you can't do anything about that anyway, and you do nothing for your spiritual life, it's going to speak volumes about what you fear. Second of all, it should cause me to feel less fear over everything else in my life. When I fear God appropriately, when I, when I order my life appropriately, it should cause me to feel less fear over everything else. No, notice verse 4 again. Jesus says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. That, that's almost, if you don't believe the scriptures, that's almost a funny sentence. What more can they do but kill you? Je Jesus, Jesus takes what, what most Americans, many Americans believe is the ultimate thing, is the only thing. Many Americans, that's all they can conceive of. That's all they can hope for is trying to fill up their few short years on this world with a bunch of stuff and with some admiring glances and with a few moments of pleasure. But Jesus clearly teaches there's more. What more can they do? The, the more that Jesus is talking about is not just a thin layer of more. It's not like the cherry on top of the sundae or the frosting on the cake. The, the more Jesus talking, is talking about is, is we've just gotten started. It's the more like everything in this life is just the opening act. It's just the national anthem. It's just the previews. It, the way that Jesus talks about this world is only the beginning. What he's saying is there is more. There is more. There's more joy. There's more life. There's more satisfaction. There's more glory. There's more celebration. There's more togetherness. I don't know when we're going to be able to be together in this life again, but I know that Matthew 24, 11 says there's going to be a trumpet that sounds at one point, and he's going to gather us together. There's going to be more. There's going to be more joy and more pleasure and more forever. Psalm 1611 says fullness of joy and pleasures forever. Can you believe that Jesus talks this way? He talks about this life as if it's just the beginning of more. And not only does Jesus talk that way, but his followers talk that way. In the book of Acts, listen to what Paul says in Acts 20, 24. He says, I do not account my life as of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I mean, Paul talks the same way that Jesus talks. So once we get our fears in order, Okay? Once, once we get the fear of God at the top and the fear of sin and of hell and of judgment at the top, okay? now you might be saying, well, man, pastor, I, I don't know that that helped me today. I mean, I was already afraid of COVID-19 and I was already fretting over that. And now you just told me that, man, that's a small thing. Now you've got this big thing, the fear of the Lord on top of that. You, you just added fear to my fear. I don't think I did. I don't think I did because of this reason. Okay? Because to, for a believer to fear God is to trust God. Isn't it interesting? Most fears in this world repel. I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of snakes. Um, not at all. Um, in uh, western Kansas where I grew up, uh, there, were, there were many a snake under my tractor and by my bicycle. Uh, we lived out in the country and I, I just, I don't like them. Uh, I, I don't like them at all. 
and, and, and not liking them means I don't want to be around them. I, I, I don't want to see one by surprise. I, I kind of get a charge out of seeing a deer out in the wild or being surprised by an elk or you know something like that. But I don't want to be surprised by it. I, 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 don't, I could never see another snake again. I'd be fine. Most of the time, fears repel. But isn't this interesting? The fear of God attracts. Isn't that beautiful? The, the fear of God attracts. The more you fear, the more you pursue. The more you see of his bigness, the more you want. The more you want him, the more you want to believe. The more you, you want to submit and follow. And, and so the more you fear him, the more you believe when he said, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. The more you believe that you've been sealed and secured by the Holy Spirit if you're a believer here today, the more you believe that in Christ if you're joined to the resurrected Christ, if you've repented of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ, the, the more you fear him, the more you believe that reality that you are indeed joined to Jesus Christ. The more you fear him, the bigger, the more real these things are. And then this, look at Luke 12. Isn't it so beautiful that these things are together? I, I, I love it. You know, Jesus says, man, don't, don't fear dying by the hands of a persecutor. Don't fear a dreaded disease. Don't fear a, a storm on the sea. Fear, fear God. Fear spiritual things that have eternal consequences. And then he turns right around and says this. Verse 6. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. You see what the fear of God did? Man, it drew us near. And the nearer to God we got, man, the more confident we are. Man, he can take care of me. He, he, there's not a sparrow on earth that falls to the ground that God didn't know it and God didn't allow it. He knows the hairs, the number of the hairs on your head. It changes moment by moment. And he knows it. I, there's times where I, I, I struggle to remember what grade my kids are all in, you know? I mean, and, and I think I'm a pretty good dad. But, man, God, God knows your, your condition intimately every fraction of every second of every day. You see where Jesus is going with this? Fear God. Let, let him pull you in and then be assured that he's got you. He knows you. He's looking after you. In ways that you can't imagine. Now, does that mean I won't get sick? Does that mean I won't lose my money? Does that mean I won't die? No, it doesn't mean any of those things. But what it means is you have nothing to fear but God. If God is the main thing, if he's sovereign over your life, if, if your life is built upon him, if he loves and cares for me and looks after me like the Bible says he does and he does, then I have nothing to fear. I want you to do a little exercise, okay? A lot of you have pens and paper, I see, and uh, if you don't, Kenny, Bonnie, you're at your chair, it's always, Kenny's always got a little word search there, grab your pen, okay? So get it out, all right, everybody, get it out. Uh, Gary, Kim, it's right there, get it out, okay? All right, now, here's what I want you to do. Take your pen, and I want you to, at the top of a paper, whatever you're drawing on, make it, make it a little rectangle, okay? Make it a little rectangle, and then on top of that rectangle, that's going to be like our, our platform, our roof, okay? I want you to write my life, okay? My life, all right? That, that, that represents your life, okay? So everything that represents your life, that, that's right there. So on top of that platform, my life. All right, now under that, under that rectangle, I want you to draw some pillars. I don't really care how many, 
you know, four, three, four, five, whatever. Kind of picture the Lincoln Memorial. That, that's, that's what I've got in my mind. Uh, Supreme Court, one of those big buildings that has a roof and it's got all those pillars, okay? So you got, you got my life and then under that you've got these pillars, okay? Now I want you to name the pillars, all right? So when you think about what holds up your life, all right, what, what would those pillars be called? So some of you might name the pillars money and health. Maybe you'd name one beauty, Maybe you'd name one recognition. Maybe you'd name one success or entertainment or ease or security. What, what, what holds up your life there, okay? Now, if, if that's what you named them, if you named those pillars, those things, if you named them money, if you named them health, if you named them uh, beauty or recognition or, or power or control, if you named those pillars that, then you should fear COVID-19 because it may have already kicked most of those out. You, you should fear things in this world. If that's your God, if that's your idol, you see those, those pillars that are holding up your life, that represents what you have faith in. Okay, but, but, but if you named those pillars, if you named them things like the sovereignty of God, if you named one the gospel, maybe right in the middle of, of, of your life, maybe you wrote the gospel, The beauty of Jesus Christ's perfect life lived on my behalf. His righteousness lived for me. His death for me. My union to him by faith. My joining to Jesus Christ by repentance and faith that makes me righteous, that joins me to his resurrection. The gospel is the center pillar of my life. And then on the side of it is the sovereignty of God. Maybe maybe you named one of them Romans 8.28. You know, that God works all things together for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Maybe you named one of them resurrection, you know? Maybe, maybe you named one of them uh, joy in the Lord. If those are your pillars, let me ask you, what can COVID-19 do to any of those? What, what can a storm do to any of those? What can an economic collapse? They can't touch them. You only then need to fear God. You only then need to draw near to Him. So you see, if you put your faith in God alone for your life and joy and happiness and eternity, then you only need to fear Him. Let me pray with you. Father in heaven, I I pray that um, the pillars of our life would be these things, God. I pray, Father, that you would enable us to fear the right thing. God, that you would enable us to hold in in high esteem, high regard, and and high praise the promises that have come from you. Father, I pray that you would enable us not to stand in fear, not to fear murderous persecutors or diseases or storms, famines, not to fear any of that. Father, you tell us in Romans 8 that That nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the union that we have with Jesus Christ. Father, make that real this morning. Make it real. Show us the reality of that in hearts and minds all across our congregation. Father, help us to fear appropriately. Help us to order our life appropriately. God, give us grace to seek you this week. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. All right.
Our pastors, once again, are available. Um, I'm looking at them. Uh, they're here. Uh, they're ready. They've got their phones. If you need to talk, if you need to count someone to counsel, if you need just someone to pray with you, someone to encourage you, if you need to lay a burden on someone, uh, they're here, and they, they would love to visit with you. And so you can start calling them right now. You can text them. Uh, maybe you said, I, I don't know any of your pastor's numbers, okay? I'm going to give you our church number, our Lincoln Campus number. It is 580-256-4637. And we've got someone there, and uh, they will answer that phone. Uh, and as they get to you, they'll answer that phone, and they'll, they'll pray with you, and then they'll, they'll also connect you with one of our pastors. They'll, they'll get you connected, and we'll get you a call back. But we want to take care of you. We want to minister you. Lincoln Dads, I'm talking to the dads of Lincoln Avenue. Man, now is your time to lead your family. Lead them in prayer. Uh, close this out. Close out your family worship time with maybe prayer, maybe a song. Uh, man, I, I, maybe one you could look up on the internet was a, a kids camp song uh, that we was kind of our theme for kids camp this last last year, and it's called "Stand in Your Love." And man, it's a great song about fear. Our fear doesn't stand a chance. Um, and, and so that, that'd be a great song to even look up. Maybe have a three thirds group. Many of you know what that is. Uh, it's our it's our Medicamp model of discipleship where you open up the a passage of scripture, you read it, you just hey, what what does this say to you? What 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 would this speak to you? Just go around the room, let your kids chime in. What would you hear there? What'd you learn there? And here'd be some options for you. Maybe uh maybe Romans 8, 28, all the way through the end of the chapter would be a great one. It's the, the verses that Gary read at the beginning. Maybe Mark 4, 35 through 41. That's that Jesus stilling the storm. Uh, some of my favorites in Isaiah, Isaiah 41, 8 through 16, or Isaiah 51, 9 through 13. Um, those would be great, just chapters for you to maybe read and then discuss as a family, talk about how you can obey what you've read today, what you've heard today, and then close that out in prayer. That'd be a great family worship thing for you to do. Man, Lincoln, I can't wait till we can be together again. I uh, can't wait to hear from you how you're doing. Um, be blessed. We love you. We'll see you. See you soon, hopefully.